0: This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. Hello, I'm Kevin Frankish. Welcome to the Happy Molecule. Love will keep us together. Love conquers all, all you need is love. Well, it seems that lockdown has put all this love stuff to the test and in many cases, love is losing. Some divorce lawyers are reporting an increase of about 40% in the number of inquiries about separation and divorce. Seems there's a limit to what love can actually overcome. Andrew Sofen is a prominent couples therapist in Montreal. He's also noticed a sharp increase in business, the business of trying to save relationships. He's also president of the Canadian Association for Marriage and Family Therapy. Couples Therapy, now in session, right now on The Happy Molecule. Andrew, what is going on? on right now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're getting back to near normal and now people want to break up uh,
1: yeah I mean you couldn't have I, I couldn't have even dreamed this up a few years ago you know this would be science fiction to me. Um, it's quite incredible we've sort of had you know we knew that the pandemic was going to affect everybody differently. In other words people who had very stable jobs, where they could easily work remotely, they have a big enough house, um, their finances aren't impacted, You know, their kids are able to sort of have their own space to study and work. We knew those people were actually gonna do better during COVID because commuting's gone, they get to spend more time together, they get to do more family activities, they've got yards, they've got outdoor space. Those people we knew, okay, they're gonna be well. It's gonna be the people who, A, their income was heavily affected by the pandemic. In other words, tourism, uh, restaurants, things like that. So we know when finances get hit, family stress goes through the roof. People living in smaller quarters, so people living in very urban areas where they're all jammed into an apartment, but they didn't really care because everybody caught in the morning, went to school, went to work. They came back, had dinner, went to sleep. Now they're all in there together, all trying to be on Zoom. It's not working. And there's no outdoor space for the kids. And when there was lockdowns, it was everybody on top of each other. But during the real lockdown, people were like, we're just hunkering down. We're just going to get through it. We're going to plow through it. It's, you know, what's the old saying? Life during wartime, Mm -hmm. we're just, we got to make through it. Let's make through it alive now that things are finally lifting now that we've got the vaccines and people are double vaccinated and they're changing the restrictions and people can go out kids can join soccer they can do things now we're getting couples kind of looking at each other this sort of subsect of people saying uh we're okay when it's literally i saw you in the morning i saw you at dinner I went to bed and maybe we spent some time on the weekend or maybe a vacation. But the 24-7, we are not working well together. And because it's been so long, they've gotten to the point of where they're even feeling, can we repair this? And that's when they're calling me. They're reaching out to me. And it, it the phones, off, you know, the old saying, the phone's ringing off the hook or the emails just keep flooding in. And what's really different is is now I'm getting people really saying, you know, we're on the brink of divorce, literally. They're saying we're on the brink of divorce and we need to deal with this. We need to repair it. We want to stay together. But so much has happened over this, you know, the course of the pandemic. Um, I mean, most of those people are wanting to do my intensive couples retreats where, you know, I go away for a week and work with them like at Club Med or, you know, the south of Italy um because they realize they can't even do the one hour a week We're, we've gotten to the point where people are saying i, I don't have time for the one hour a week it, it's like it's do or die time and i this i've never seen you know usually i get a balance i get a, some people saying yes we want to do repeats but then i also get other people saying i want to do one hour a week can we come in can we talk about things or can we do it over you know telemedicine zoom but now everybody's in a panic Everybody's in a panic. I've just, Kevin, I've not seen this before.
0: Some uh, lawyers are reporting uh, as much as a 40% increase in inquiries about separation and divorce. Are you seeing something similar in oh, requests yeah. for counseling?
1: Absolutely. And the level of severity is just everything's bumped up notches. Like I'm also getting divorce lawyers calling me. You know, where they think the people might have a chance and they're saying, Andrew, can you please see this couple? I think they can make it. Like the divorce lawyers are now trying to divert people to therapists like me because they're overloaded.
0: Is there a common denominator? Is there something that you hear from almost every single couple or are most of the situations Mm. unique to themselves?
1: Oh, that's a hard one i would say the biggest common denominator and this is true of healthy couples and couples who are you know in very dysfunctional states is the communication they're not communicating effectively with each other they're taking each other far more personally than they should Um, they are feeling unappreciated they're feeling undervalued they're feeling like one person is feeling like great i'm doing everything at the house and you're sitting there with your feet up watching the hockey game. You can imagine how that could easily spiral to what am I doing in this relationship? You know, we're looking at the, you know, the, the balance of duties in a, in a, in a marriage, in a family, you know, and usually people negotiate that early on, but now with everything blowing up, you know, people are saying, we've got to re- renegotiate this. In other words, I'm not doing everything, it's not gonna happen. Then you're saying other people saying, well, I'm not doing it, uh, well,
0: something's gotta give here. Okay, so we're on this topic right now of communication. Yeah, Help me out yeah. here, what, how do I communicate better? I mean, we, we've heard it all, right. sit yeah. down, yeah. Uh, validate each other, I uh, hear you, yeah. I see you, okay, what works?
1: Yeah, and once again, it's, what's the old thing? It's not rocket science. <laughs> it really is not rocket. I've been doing this work over 25 years and it still amazes me. It's just sitting and listen to your spouse. Listen to whoever you're talking to. Sit, listen to them, actually listen to them. Don't start thinking about what your response is going to be. Just listen, make eye contact. And then when they finish talking, just acknowledge saying, hey, you know, if they're really upset, saying, hey, I'm really sorry you're so upset. In other words, just show some empathy and compassion. You know, we, we do it with people we hardly know. You like people will do this in the office. Like, I'm so sorry that your, your son's sick. I'm really sorry. Anything I can do. We show that common courtesy sometimes to people that are, you know, peripherally connected to us. But with our partners, we get into this place of thinking everything's sort of like shorthand, code. It's like, well, you should know what I think. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I think. Why didn't you, you, know, why didn't you read my mind, basically? Uh, and and it's, I'm saying, no, sit and listen and say, I can't read your mind. You're upset at me, you're mad at me. Could you please tell me why? I wanna work on this together because most people are married and they've had kids and they've built a whole family together and a whole life together. You know, the majority of them want it to work out. They don't, nobody wants to get divorced. Nobody says, I just, you know, I want to get married for five years and get divorced and go through that hell. So if you just listen and then when it's your turn to talk, then you talk and speak from your heart, but say it with respect say it with empathy and compassion do not start pointing fingers and saying this is all your fault this is you need to do this you need own your what's the old thing own your own shit Mm -hmm. you own your stuff your partner owns their stuff you bring your best selves to the table then you'll have a healthy marriage you
0: know and we don't have the luxury of going to our you know getting those little rests like you say <laughs> going going to work or right. um, uh, you know going someone goes out shopping the other person goes out doing this you know going to your respective corners taking a breath. We, so part of it is just understanding that being at each other's throats sometimes when you irritate each other, sometimes that's normal and it's okay. When does it stop being normal though? When does it stop being normal and not okay?
1: When it really gets to the place of where there's disrespect, where there really, where there's a lack of respect and there's a lack of empathy and there's a lack of compassion. Because people feel that. When you feel like your partner doesn't respect you or has no empathy or compassion for you, we're game over. If that continues, continues and doesn't change everybody has been in crisis mode where maybe you find out some traumatic news and you blow up and like, you're, you know, but people understand that, but day in, day out, lack of respect, lack of empathy, lack of compassion. That means that the relationship will fail.
0: Do you have any methods for questioning yourself? So if it's easy <laughs> enough to point your finger at your partner and say, hey, "Oh yeah. no respect for me. How do you truly look at yourself and say, do I have respect for them? That's
1: a really good question, Kevin, because that takes a little bit of self-awareness, which unfortunately (laughs) we're we're not that great at it. I, I use the old spinach metaphor. You know, it's, you had a spinach omelet in the morning, you got spinach stuck in your teeth and you rush off to work, you go do all these things. And it's not until you get home in the evening and you look in the mirror and you go, that's finished we don't see ourselves we're so bad at really being self-aware or just just even acknowledging where we're at we're so focused on everything outside of us of we will pay attention to everything around us but ask people to sort of say well how are you feeling and they're like i don't know you know, people will be yelling and they'll go, I'm not yelling. I'm like, well, <laughs> yes, you are. It, it, it's in that you can only do that in sort of when you take some time, it's like go for a walk, take the dog for a walk and just sort of think, like, where am I at? What's on me? You know, what's the old saying? Mea culpa. Mm-hmm. You know, what's my responsibility? What's my role in this? That is one of the only ways that can, and I've had people who really were like, I don't own anything, you know, especially I, I call them the type A CEO types, you know, where they're like, I'm perfect because I make millions of dollars. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make you perfect. It makes you, you made a lot of money. Yeah. I, I always go, I want you to turn around and say, what's my role and what's going wrong right now? What am I doing? Is there something I can do differently? And it's not a blame thing. It's not, you're not doing that to chastise yourself or to feel guilty or to feel like the worst person ever. You're doing it so that you can bring your best self to the table because until you can really acknowledge, well, this is what I'm doing. You're not going to do it. It's almost like an iceberg. You know, everybody can see the top piece, right? But you know, everybody knows that there's how much underneath the Mm -hmm. water. It's like the Titanic would have never sunk if it knew what was (laughs) below the water. But couples do this all the time. They just keep crashing into the other person's iceberg, over and over and over again. And I'm like, do we drain the water a little bit? Can we see what's really going on? Can what we slow you down? The... You yes, know, and as down. we
0: approach? Right. Stop uh, being so busy. Yeah. We uh, we are also facing a mental health crisis that that is is unprecedented in yeah. in recent memory and. So now we're gonna throw that into a marriage dynamic. So either one partner or both partners are maybe for the first time showing signs of depression and anxiety. That's, I don't know how you would deal with that. How do you deal with that when a couple comes in and you say, wait a minute, there's not just a problem with the marriage here, there's a problem with one or even both of the people as far as their mental health goes.
1: Kevin, and this is, this is the stuff that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm lucky enough. I'm 25 years into my career. I know this stuff. I've been practicing it a long time. I'm an expert in the field. So I can do that. I can sort of sit there and go, okay, I get that there's stuff around your marriage, but wait a minute. There's this going on with you. There's this going on with you. Okay, wait a minute. So I need you to go. Sometimes it's even medical. I need you to go get a doctor and I need you to really get a full workup sometimes it's been a concussion and they've been to therapy and everything. I'm like, you had concussions, you know, that impacts how you behave. Uh, sometimes it's saying, wait, maybe you also need to do some individual therapy before we even start couples therapy. But, you know, I, I think back to when I started in this field, I would have just launched right into the couples therapy and it would have failed mm-hmm. because I'd be, I wouldn't have known, you know, what's going on on the you know, you have to look at it really systemically you have to look at the whole picture you know their jobs their kids their the larger extended family you know their the grandparents all these things if you don't bring all of that to the table
0: you're missing something i don't know if you can answer this but out of the couples you've seen and in your experience what are the chances you can save a marriage or a relationship <laughs>
1: um i used to think that that was totally arbitrary like who knows um but over the years it's really there's some predictors of success in other words if i have a couple where both of them both are saying if we wave the magic wand and we could be really good together that's what we want more than anything we don't know how to get there Right now, we can't stand each other, but that's what we want. And if they're both willing to do hard work and they're committed to it, saying we're committed to doing the work. If I've got those pieces, then it's gonna be successful. That's where, that's my training. Then I bring my training in to help make that happen. You know, barring, you know, unless somebody keeps some secret, you know, like, I've done enough of those, you know, like yeah. I do retreats and I've been down in the middle of Mexico and I think I know everything about the couple. And then all of a sudden I get, well, I've been having an affair with, you know, blah, 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 for you know 10 years. And I'm sort of like, maybe you should have told me that before we got here. <laughs> yeah. If people have, are uh, honest. They have to be honest, open, willing to do the work. That's all I ask for. If I've got that, then it will work. And that's why I, I really don't do much of the couples therapy one hour a week anymore, just because I find it's just, it's a drop in the bucket. That's me personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really focus on doing the retreats where I'm working for a week, solid day in and day out all day long, like literally eight hours a day. Cause that's how you create real change when there's a crisis, you know, otherwise it's just going to be, Oh, go an hour a week. Then you go right back into your home environment. You know, nothing's going to change. Then you go come see for an hour, another hour a week. I mean, that's that's like you know, it's like filling a bucket with you know, was what, is it, what, what is the uh, you know, drop by a, drop.
0: Yeah, with a dropper. It's
1: uh, not going to uh, work. There's no way.
0: And what are the what are the signs? First of all, what are the signs that perhaps you need to go see someone like you? Mm-hmm. And what are the signs that you? just need to talk a little bit more that maybe it's not it's not too late that you have to go and see someone
1: yeah oh and once again i i think there's so much stuff that people can just do on their own if they could just believe in themselves a bit in other words just sort of say can we find some time to sit down and talk make some time carve out some time
0: okay all right yeah, Let, let's go with that for, for a moment. All yeah. right. So you're, you've are you decided, okay, let's sit down and talk. Yeah. Tell me some effective conversation starters and some effective questions that you could be asking of each other that aren't loaded questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Kevin, that's yeah. usually where the conversation starts. People save it all <laughs> up and yeah. they're like, I'm saving it up for our Sunday night meeting. <laughs> yeah, You know, it's just all, and then they say, and then they
0: say, "What do you think you're doing wrong in this marriage that's screwing (laughs) it up?"
1: Right? Right, right. This is all your fault. Or they (laughs) they pull out like the notepad with you know, like page after page after page, and it's like the other person's just gonna go, "Whoa," yeah, or it's it's dueling pads. Anyway, it's really just sitting down and saying, "Look, can we just share?" It's just saying, "Where are you at?" And saying it from your own perspective, saying, "This is where." I am at this is how I feel this is what's going on for me it's speaking from the self because we only have power and agency over ourselves we only can read our own thoughts we can't read other people if you both sit down and kind of go look I'm, I'm just having a hard time I'm feeling overloaded by work I'm feeling really stressed I'm really sorry I'm snapping it's not you it's just I I I I can't deal with another zoom meeting you know then if they really speak from the self you will naturally get into a conversation where you're really sharing with each other and you can have some empathy and compassion and some context you understand where the other person's coming from rather than just making assumptions that it's all well they're snapping because they don't like me or they're mad at they didn't like what i made for dinner And rather than finally oh my god there's under so much pressure at work and i didn't even know it so really it's that sitting down and once again not sitting down with the like the list of i'm gonna attack you with you know it's almost like a bugs bunny cartoon you know where they're just you know bigger and bigger weapons Uh it's really you know
0: sitting down and just saying let's talk you you sir Where are you citing you you sir are citing the bunny of Seville by the way I'm just yes I'm just yeah. I am just gonna point that out to all yep. of the uh, bugs bunny fans out there the yeah bigger yeah. weapon bigger weapon yeah bigger bigger weapons yeah. and
1: it, it's and that's what couples end up doing and then they got the biggest weapons and guess what they both blown each other up and I'm like yeah. how's that working for you yeah just have a conversation and agree that you're going to speak respectfully that you're going to speak the ground rules are respect empathy and compassion those are the only ground rules that's it because if you say it with respect you can say anything quite literally anything if you say it with respect empathy and compassion you know those are the people you can do that on your own if you can do that there's no way you don't need to come see me absolutely not Yeah, but you're
0: not going to be spending time with you in Mexico or the south of Italy. I'm going, I'm in. (laughs) Yeah, that's where it gets a little more difficult. The people who really, really need
1: to see somebody really are when it's really feeling like they're having the same conversation over and over and over and over and over again. And it's around the same issues over and there's a lack of really understanding each other. Or there's always a sense of, well, th- if only the other person would do X, Y, A, you know, oh, okay, rather than owning their own stuff. When it's always the, when you've got two people sitting there pointing fingers and nobody going, you know, "Maya, culpa." Nobody's self-reflecting, and or they just feel like they don't have the tools. Because after all, therapy is really it's all about helping people change the way they interact. And change the story about the two of them, helping them find a healthier story about themselves, if you think about it, in most simplistic terms.
0: We have been talking lately about the return, and and everyone is trying to find the word we're going to be using, the return to not so normal, but, (laughs) you know, the lifting of lockdown. and, And, you know, I'm telling a lot of my listeners, you better prepare yourself. This isn't just, oh, good, it's over. Let's go running back to the theater. Let's get back on the bus. Let's get back on the streetcar with the crowds. Um, So we need to prepare for that. And and a lot of therapists are saying we're in for a bit of a shock and that we're actually going to see some cases of of depression increase. What about our marriages? What about our relationships? Is there anything waiting for us at the end of lockdown that perhaps might surprise a couple or catch them a little off guard? Uh, Yeah. uh, not being confined anymore?
1: Yes, I I think many people have got this sort of, you know, what is it like that sort of pot of gold at the end of the rainbow idea, but the end of lockdown. In other words, it's all going to be done. Everything's Mm going to be great. We're going to go, we're going to travel. Everything's going to be perfect. And all of the problems will magically disappear. I get it. I mean, that's how people have gotten through COVID. Sort of saying it'll be over one day. The light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. And I think people are going to realize that not much changes. In other words, you still have your issues, you still have whatever's going on. The stuff that was there, whatever was there prior to the pandemic, is still going to be there after. And that's where I think we're going to have a lot of people. It's a bit of a rude awakening. They think it's just going to magically disappear or somehow, Oh, when we're both going back to the office and we don't see each other for eight hours a day, it'll all be great. Well, no, you still went through how many months of being in each other's face. You've built up this dysfunction that doesn't magically disappear when you go to the office. So that's where we're going to see even bigger, you know, sort of spikes in requests for, Uh, therapy for couples therapy
0: what about our kids you know um uh, we stay together for them uh we don't we don't you know we don't argue in front of them um you know we we have to do this for the kids and and you know what and when they go off to university uh, you know we'll work it out then
1: oh you, you don't that is one of probably my biggest pet peeves in all my years of therapy because quite frankly, it, it, it's utter nonsense. In other words, they're staying together for the kids, we're doing it for them, we're, because guess what, the kid and I've got two teenage daughters, you know, and guess what, they can read you. <laughs> it's not what you say, they can read your face, they can read your body language, because can... don't forget, in, the early, in their first years, they didn't come out and sort of start having a conversation with you, They learned how to communicate with you non verbally. Ah, very good point. That goes through their whole lives. Yeah. Kids can read their parents non verbally better than anybody. Kids can usually tell when a parent's upset faster than the parent can tell they're upset. And guess what? If the marriage is not working, the kids will notice it because all children really think about it, up until the age of what, 13, 15, at the very earliest, and in our culture, maybe 25, they need those parents to survive. They depend on their caregivers for their survival, which means they have to be so adept at reading where their caregivers are at. So they can, parents can be not arguing in front of the kids, sure, but they're doing behind closed doors, the kids will notice the body language. You know, Maybe one tries to put their arm around the other person, the other person flinches. That's, that's all the kid needs to know, that the marriage is not working. And no kid will ever wants to hear down the road saying, but we stayed together for you. That's a slap in the face. Because no kid wants it. Kids always want their parents, their caregivers to be happy. They love them. And, and, and the research has been conclusive it's sort of saying you know what is it because at the end of the day what's a family family you're trying to raise these children from diapers and completely unable to take care of themselves to being relatively happy relatively well adjusted self-sufficient adults that's that's sort of the job of the parents get them through all of that and what really engenders that is, this when they're in an environment where they know they're loved, they're cared for, that you know the people around them show empathy, respect, and compassion to each other. That's the best situation. Yeah, you know, everybody sort of thought, you know, it should be a married, you know, two, you know, keep the family intact. Always make sure it's intact. But actually, the worst environment, if you really want to make sure you, your kids are messed up really make sure is having two parents where there literally is no respect, no empathy, no compassion, and there's literally, there's open verbal and emotional warfare going on between the parents, and they're under the same roof. That is the worst situation. It's better if kids, if parents are divorced, separate houses, but can show a modicum of empathy, compassion, and respect to each other, They the kids will do far better than parents staying together for the kids. And let's not kid ourselves. They're not staying together for the kids. They're staying together because they're terrified to do Mm -hmm. the work of either divorcing or sorting things out or actually, you know, getting their act together and really doing the work to repair the
0: relationship. Everybody can repair if they want to really do the hard work. It's, It's interesting the words you just used. You said, talking about couples who may not have respect for each other empathy for each other uh communication etc cetera, etc cetera. you didn't once use the l word you love. didn't use love because mm. you know we think that that is the sign that a marriage is done or a relationship is done is when there's no love there um you know there are lots of people who are separated and divorced who love each other and, and loved each yeah. other at the time and we've been mm-hmm. taught love conquers all so as long as i have love yeah it in does hollywood it's not so, the real world so we like you know i, I love my partner how yeah. you know i'll get through it love will carry us through sadly it won't
1: and that's a great story that's a great metaphor that's a great you know way of helping pull yourself forward i i'm all for it. use what works for you in other words if the love metaphor and saying we love each other. Our love will make us get through this. Great. Let's use it. Let's use that as the thing that anchors the two of you and get you to do the hard work. Because it's like in anything in life. If you want to make something better, you have to work at it. it. It's like, it's the equivalent of saying, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, couples come in and they, they, it's like saying to a ski instructor, okay, we're at the top of a double black diamond trail. <laughs> Uh, we need to ski down it right now. And I'm like, we need to start on the bunny hill. (laughs) Let's go over to the magic carpet. I'm like, no, well, if I can't do it, then what's the point? I'm like, it's like anything you have to learn, you have to work at it. It's like, you, you will take the time to become expert skiers. We'll spend years, money, broken bones (laughs) and we'll do it. But when it comes to a marriage. People, the minute, the minute I say it takes hard work, they go, oh, well, forget it. Let's, you know, let's get divorced. I'm like, okay, you can do that. But guess what? Your next relationship, you know, all relationships, marriage, sibling, parent, child, they all take work. But the the difference is, is when it's going well, we don't even know, we don't see it as work. We just see it as, you know, we're interacting, we're connecting, we're, We're having a great time. I went on a great vacation with my, you know, one of my children. That's the work. Work doesn't have to be a you know bad word.
0: Well, healthy
1: relationships, they're working at it all the time.
0: And no matter what work has to be done, no matter what you're going to do, no matter what questions you're going to be asking with each other, the very first step for everyone is that awkward moment of saying, think we may have a problem yeah um, how do you yeah. how do you suggest to take a I don't even know if you mm. can take some of the awkwardness out of it but how do you suggest set, setting that up or do you just rip off that band-aid um once again this is where
1: knowing at least having, you know it, when, if you spent years with somebody you know
0: you have at least
1: some understanding of each other
0: but you may have spent years not talking about uh, sure, these sure. things. Yeah. So how do you start it,
1: it? it? Ideally, you say it with as much empathy, compassion, respect as you can. That's going to get, you know, that's the carrot. Doing it with a stick not going to work. You know, it's saying, look, I'm really worried this is not going well. I, I'm really worried about the future of our marriage, of our relationship. I think we need help. That is going to engender a much more positive response than saying, "You messed everything up. You destroyed my whole life, my whole the whole family, the whole world, and you know, you, you just you're evil." Or as I always you know hear, like you you're um you have narcissistic personality disorder. I'm like, yeah, no, you <laughs> don't. Yeah, you're <not."> okay. yeah. <laughs> that's the only time you're off the hook. The only time yeah. you're off the hook is if somebody is like a, truly a narcissist or they have a, you know, a severe personality disorder. And I can't tell you how many people will say, well, my spouse ha- is actually borderline or, you know, and I'm like, because that's the only time you can say, really, it's not me. It's the other person. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's like, that's an infinitesimal amount of people. It, it doesn't happen all the time. So yeah, part of it is, as you said, ripping the bandaid off and just saying, we got a problem and try and do it as soon as you notice it. Don't wait for the perfect time. Don't wait to sort of see, well, maybe things will sort themselves out because what's the worst happen? You say, look, I think we got a problem. And then you go to a therapist and you go once and it's like, oh, well, it was this. Okay. You know, it, it, this is where the medical model really works well. It's like, yes, how do you cure cancer? catch it early enough.
0: Yeah. The first thing you have to do is is say, okay, I'm going to go see someone about it. I, right. I, I, I'm going to... Uh, no, you know what? I think the first thing that has to happen is it, it's like with, with any 12-step program. You have to admit that you have a problem.
1: Very good point, Kevin, really. And that's why that 12-step model has worked so well all around the globe because they changed the, that they're using saying at the heart of it is you owning your stuff and saying, I have an issue, not somebody else. I have the issue. And then I'm going to work on myself. And couples therapy is very similar. It's getting two people to own their own stuff and then finding how do we meet in the middle? And if you get it early enough... Oh, if I mean, those are the dream clients, the ones who come in and say things are a little rocky. Oh, them, I can do an hour a week and it it works perfectly well. It's like the cancer. You get it early. But, and, and I don't do long-term therapy. I'm, I'm saying like, I'll see them maybe three months and we're done. And I'm like, hey, go see you later. If something else comes up, call me. Yeah. It, it but eats. when the people wait and tell you know the cancers to the whole body and yeah. then they call me and say fix it.
0: Maybe therapists should start offering maintenance. You know, come on in when there's nothing wrong.
1: Okay. I want yeah, you to yeah. just to come like
0: once a year. Oh like your medical
1: checkup. Yeah, that's very idealistic. I know, <laughs> I have rose-colored I glasses like, on, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kevin, that, that's a bit, it, it's a bit like the dentist. Nobody wants to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, people don't willingly say, hey, let me go talk to an expert in couples therapy and talk about my innermost feelings and thoughts and you know where I feel that I might be inadequate or I might have messed up and really bare my soul. People are like, mm, let me get root canal instead.
0: Final thought uh, for yeah. the people out there um, who are scared, um, yeah. maybe feeling alone, um, yeah. uh, afraid to even bring up the topic because they, they might be worried about what they might hear. Final thoughts for these people.
1: Please, please,
0: it's...
1: talk to your partner. Please just sit down, have a conversation, speak what's on your mind because keeping it inside will not make it better. It will just make things perpetuate and usually just fester and get worse. So please turn to your partner, have a conversation. If you don't know how, reach out to, well, reach out to a therapist or if you don't have a therapist, reach out to a really close friend who you can speak confidentially with and brainstorm with them of like, how do I do this? But for God's sakes, Please have a conversation and just try and do it with empathy, respect, and compassion. And if you really can't do it and you're really having a hard time, find an expert in couple and family therapy. Please don't go to somebody who's done like one course in couple and family therapy and think it's going to work. It, it's not. It, you know, it,
0: it just won't work. Great. Yeah. Great way to end this conversation. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah.
1: Okay. Take
0: care. And
1: I'm always around. Anybody has questions, please, they can find me. Just Google me, Andrew
0: Sofin, S-O-F-I-N. S-O-F-I-N, AndrewSofin.com. I'm going to put all that information on the website. Uh, So I hope you're not too busy, but I hope you're busier (laughs) than the divorce lawyers are going to be. Oh, I know. And there's some divorce
1: lawyers out there that actually really You know, they're in my corner. They want to fix it. But I like that. I think that's
0: interesting. All right.
1: Oh, I love those divorce stories. They're, I I think they got hearts of gold. But um, yeah, it's not easy, Kevin. And this next year is going to be a challenging one, a very challenging one.
0: All right. Thank you, Andrew. Take care of yourself. Once again, that's andrewsofin.com, S O F I N. Or you can go to CouplesRetreat at OceanCoral.com. Don't worry, I'm going to put all of these on the website, TheHappyMolecule.com. All you have to do is click on the links page. Next episode, just a few weeks before we return to the classroom for many. Teachers and students both have been reporting significant increases in apprehension and mental health issues. Anxiety in the classroom, next time on The Happy Molecule. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out the Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode, be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health.